France. Here on AM 1420, The Answer. 1010 as hour number two gets underway. 22, or the uh, 22nd, rather, morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to Congressman Jim Jordan. Don't forget, coming up in uh, just a few, in about 10 minutes or so, we're going to uh, have Herschel Walker. I talked to Herschel Walker, Heisman Trophy winner and one of my idols growing up as a uh, as a young football player. Just uh, still, to this day, one of the best running backs in the history of college football. 12-year NFL career as well, an amazing guy. He's got a lot to say about policing in America. That conversation is going to come a little bit later on this half hour. I want to spend this segment, though, talking to you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. So let's do that as promised. Brook, uh, Brook Park is where we find Ron here on AM 1420, the answer hello ron go ahead hey bob how you doing this morning good sir actually i would like an answer to that question that you asked jim jordan when are we going to stop or put a stop rather to this insanity that's going on in this country on a daily basis when are sensible white people and sensible black people going to come together and say enough of this is way too much that debacle that's going on in seattle should have been stopped before it even got started okay and now it's going into Columbus. You know, I, I don't know why the police don't. I know that technically the mayor is their boss, all right? But if there is strength in numbers, I don't know why the police department in Seattle don't say, I don't care what the mayor says, we are going in, we are standing together. He can't fire all of us. That's impossible. They'd have no police department at all. Same thing with Columbus. If the police would say, we're going in and we're going to clear these these rioters out of here. They're not protesters, they're rioters. Yeah. We've got to stop using that protesting word. Protesters stand on sidewalks, they don't impede traffic, they don't break out windows, they don't loot, they don't beat people up. They hold their signs and they do their chanting peacefully. All right? These are rioters, they're anarchists. Let's call it what it is. Go in there and clean out these viper nests, and they all with these damn sissy governors and sissy mayors that have made it very clear that they're not going to ruffle any feathers. So it's going to be left up to the police and the general public to say enough of this is way too much. And until we get together as a community, because it can come to any city. If it can happen in Seattle or Columbus and come to Cleveland, it could even come to where you live in Elyria, Brook Park, where I live, whatever. If we don't put a stop to it and stop it now, it's just going to keep festering. So I don't know what we're waiting for. Do you? I don't know what no. Jim Jordan is Well, yeah, for. I mean, I do know. I do know. Because they're going to accuse the president if the president orders the military to go in, or they're going to accuse the governor if he orders his state's National Guard to go in and clear the area and reclaim all of these uh, things. They're going to accuse them of being yeah. racist. They're going to accuse them of being uh, violent. They're going to accuse them of being uh, 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 stamping out people's First Amendment rights because these are, quote-unquote, peaceful protesters. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm with you. Don't get me wrong, Ron. I'm, obviously, you're 100% right. They're rioters and they're anarchists. Uh, anarchists. And they're creating dangerous situations for a lot of innocent people uh, when they won't allow emergency vehicles through. They won't allow police to do their jobs, et cetera. So I'm with you. But the narrative will be they're busting up peaceful protesters because they don't happen to be killing anybody at the moment that they come in there with the tear gas to clear the area. So they're terrified of the political ramifications of reclaiming via law and order those areas. they got to stop being afraid, Bob. we got to stop. Know. You know something? I'm sure you've been called plenty of names in your life. I know I have. The sun still comes up the next day. I, You know, just from the things that I've said on your show and different radio shows, I've been called a racist. I've big been called big a, difference, you know, though, my friend. Big difference is, is you're not running for re-election. 
And neither you know what, though? They're, they're thinking, to... look, I need to get voters <laughs> to reelect me, and if I've got the name racist or I've got the name you know, violent assaulter of innocent people practicing free speech and free assembly, you know, they, um, I'm, I might lose votes. So, I mean, that, they're, they're terrified yeah, because you know they're politicians. Bob, Donald Trump, he's going to get reelected, I believe, all right? No matter what, he is always going to be called names. He, he could find a cure yeah. for cancer today. And he would still be no, I know, but I'm not even talking the... about him as much as you know, like the the well, these governor. Well, they... pretty much had it, anyways, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that sensible I... people come November are going to reelect these idiots like like they have in Seattle. I don't know, Ron. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, how do you elect somebody like Jenny Durkin in the first place unless you're far left? How do you elect a Jay Inslee governor of Washington unless you're far left? The far left people run those cities and states, and that's why they elect far left leaders and. Uh, you know, they're, and they're afraid they'll lose the votes of their far left base if they go in there and so we're going to govern our country with the fear. The That's the way it's yeah, going to be from yeah, now bingo. on, right? You nailed well, it. Well, then we're it, done, it. Bob. We're done. <laughs> if we're going to let fear rule the day. We're done as a country. Yeah. Then there's no well, sense what we talking need, to What we really need to it. do, though, Iran, and thank you for the call, my friend, what we really need to do is put the pressure on, you're 100% right, these leftist leaders to do the right thing and call for you know the, the an end to all of this and to actually carry it out. And then again, let them be, let them anger their far left base, and then hopefully the far right or the right, the 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 conservative, the responsible, law abiding people will elect somebody who is more reasonable, and then we can get on. Uh, I don't want to say we're done, but that is the challenge before us right now. Quick time out, right back on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Let's go to uh, Frank, who's calling us from Mayfield. And you're on AM 1420. The answer, Frank, are you still there? Uh, good morning. Yes, I am. Okay. Thanks for taking good morning, the call. Sir. I'll make this yes, real sir. brief. Good morning. Real brief. So the, in the news I read, there was a petition going on in Columbus, Ohio, to rename the, the city, which you had mentioned last week, which was something that was probably going to uh, happen. And I want to make a few really key points. You know, Christopher Columbus was an Italian, and he was really acting as an agent for Ferdinand and Isabel out of Spain. Right. So any issues with the treatment to the indigenous people here in the Western Hemisphere should only be directed to Spanish people and Portuguese, who were also part of the first explorers. So what happens is, is when you blame Christopher Columbus for the brutality, it ends up he becomes what's called a scapegoat. And historically, scapegoating leads to not so many good things. And a good example would be Hitler. Hitler scapegoated the Jews and blamed them for the economic issues in World War after World War One. But in fact, it was actually the result of the strict war reparation payments that were demanded by the winning ally governments. So the other thing is, if 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 he, as Christopher Columbus, is considered a perpetrator, then one would think those who follow right after him would maybe be accomplices. So if we carry this to the illogical conclusion, we would need to then rename our country. Because right after, four or five years after Columbus got here, a nice guy named Amerigo Vespucci came. And he was part of that group. So should we hold the name of our country uh, as a negative because of Amerigo Vespucci, who, who followed in the same route as Columbus? That's all I have. And uh, thank you. 
Very interesting analysis and observations there, Frank. Thank you for the phone call. I um, I played, I want to say, well, it might have been last year, Columbus Day. Um, in fact, I think it was. Um, one of the best defenses of Christopher Columbus that I've ever heard. Um, and, and you know what? I get the point that you're trying to make, by the way. You know, uh, with the cancel culture, and they're trying to cancel anybody who ever did anything wrong to uh, minorities or indigenous peoples. And that, of course, means that it's got to be white people who did bad things to people who are of color or of some other ethnicity. And your point about saying, well, Columbus was actually Italian and was, uh, you know, representing Spain, all, all very true. I get your point there. But at the end of the day, the name Columbus, Ohio, and the statues of Christopher Columbus that are being attacked right now are so far out of left field, quite literally, because nothing typifies the America's left, the American left's present wave of statue-toppling anti-historical hysteria as its war against Columbus. It, but it's just so far out of left field, it's not even funny. And I just took a line there, that, la- that uh, last line about the, uh, the wave of, of anti-historical hysteria from Michael Knowles at the Daily Wire, who wrote about this as well um christopher columbus was a great man um regardless of what you think about what happened because of the colonization of north america eventually what he did the courage that it took for him to take that voyage to discover what is still the new world or was the new world to us um has led us to great, great things, has led humanity to great things. Were some terrible things done? Yes. Was that the uh, end-all result? See, it kind of reminds me of the George Washington thing, which is why I asked Jim Jordan about this. They, they tore down in the statue of George Washington, the father of the country, the founder, the first president, because he, as did almost everybody uh, at the time, did uh, own slaves. And he is being judged by the worst part of his character or the worst part of his, his, uh, his life and, and not by the extraordinary impact he has had on millions and millions and millions of people by creating the greatest bastion of freedom that the world has ever known called the United States of America. And for being so instrumental in that, Columbus likewise is being judged by so many on, I mean, I also mentioned to uh, Jim Jordan, Ulysses Grant, the, the former president, was better known as the general of the Union Army that fought the Confederacy in the Civil War to defeat slavery and then fought the KKK to defend African Americans. But he once bought into, or excuse me, married into a family that owned a slave, and that's how he's being judged by the worst part uh, or the worst example or the worst single trait of somebody. Forget about the fact that he saved the lives of countless numbers of African slaves by helping to defeat the Confederacy in the Civil War. Forget about the fact that he fought for equal rights and against the KKK after the Civil War. Forget about all of that. He owned a slave, so they tore his statue down. They're doing the same thing as I said to to Columbus. This, what happened with respect to the indigenous peoples, the Native Americans on North America, the Indians, if you will, or whatever, the fact that he engaged in something as extraordinarily difficult and and, and dangerous as he did to try to expand 
um, humanity's reach into parts unknown is just simply beyond uh, something that we should be beyond gra- uh, uh, gracious, uh, 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 thankful for and, and have gratitude for. Um, he's being judged on the one worst part of the entire story. That story is one that has, you know, a hundred chapters, and they're focusing on one chapter of it. And it's just not right. And as long as I'm on the subject, I want to go back to something that I said in the first hour of the program. If they are going to say Washington must be taken down, uh, the founders, any of the founding fathers whose families were involved in slave ownership must be taken down. Names must come off of schools. Names must come off of universities. When are they coming for GW? George Washington University. Names must come off of military bases. If they're going to do that, then I'll go back to what I asked in the first hour. When are they coming for Yale? That bastion of liberal indoctrination and liberal thought, Yale University was named after somebody who was not just a slave owner. No, 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 no. Far worse. He was a slave trader. That means he was involved in the apprehension and transporting of slaves from African lands to North America and to Europe. Elihu Yale is the father of Yale University. He was a slave trader. So if they're going to do this, I am going to demand consistency. And let's see if the far-left Yale graduates who are calling for the cancel culture to encompass George Washington, Christopher Columbus, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, etc., etc., even Ulysses Grant, if they're calling for the cancellation of all of that history, then I want to know if all of these Yale alums are going to say, change the name of my alma mater. Change the name, strip the name Yale from every building, every piece of paper, every merchandise, all of it. If you don't, then you supported slavery. Because that's the message. And that wasn't my observation, by the way. That was from Jesse Kelly, and it went viral on Twitter. And I'm, ad- I'm advancing that now on the air because I'm looking for consistency. If you want to talk about Columbus and talk about all of the others that the left wants to cancel, let's see if they want to cancel their own liberal um, haven called Yale. All right, let's go to uh, TJ in Cleveland. TJ, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, hello, Bob. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, uh, the left has no boundaries. When When is this going to end? You know, I mean, are they going to start going after religious names like San Francisco, named after a Catholic saint? Well, you know, separation of church and state. We can't have that. Los Angeles, City of Angels. I mean, when's it going to stop? You know what? I'd like to see what these, like, liberal Buckeye fans in the state of Ohio. Now, you know, the term Buck has some racial connotations to it from the past. So what if they wanted to change the name, like, let's say, to the Ohio State Horse Chestnuts? They'd go crazy. You know, I mean, this, this is insane what these people are doing. And like I said, they have no boundaries. Once they finish this, they're going after anything they possibly can go after. Uh, is Mount Rushmore coming down next? Are we going to dynamite it? I mean, when when is this going to end, Bob? 
Well, that's I mean, the question everybody's. In? Yeah, that's the question everybody is asking: is where, where, and when does it come in, co- to an end? And here's my concern. Thank you for the call, TJ. Here's my concern. And by the way, it's a good point about Mount Rushmore. If they can tear down statues, are they going to call for the defacement of uh, that forever monument um, carved into the mountainside? Uh, here's my concern. If they're going to take down Columbus and they're going to take down Washington and they're going to, well, not so much Columbus as much as the founders. Let's talk about the founding fathers, those who actually penned and worked in the Constitutional Congress and, and wrote the Constitution. If they're going to say that these men must be relegated to the scrap heap of history, despite their building of the greatest bastion for good in the history of humanity, and that's what the United States of America has been around the world. Since its inception, it's been the greatest force for good, and it is only, uh, you know, it is continuing in that today, and it will only get better if we allow it to. But since they're saying these men must be relegated to the scrap heap of history, at what point will they claim their ideas then must be relegated to the scrap heap as well? Meaning, If the people who wrote the Constitution are deemed to be evil, then is the Constitution itself, which contains the ideas of the men that are deemed to be evil, will it be also deemed to be evil and thus rendered uh, null and void? A new Constitution to be written. A Constitution that will undoubtedly be rooted in communist ideals, socialist ideals, rather than capitalist ideals, rather than liberty and freedom of speech, it would be in subjugation, written in subjugation and censorship. Newspeak would be the rule of the day. Yes, I'm going to 1984 and George Orwell, but I mean in all seriousness, if they can go after the founders the way that they are, then they're going to go after the founders' ideas next. And that would mean that the Constitution is now in play. I can clearly say that I never thought that I would see such a thing in my my lifetime, but that would be a graphic uh, or excuse me a drastic understatement. I I can't say that I would ever have imagined that the Constitution, which is the most glorious document and testament to freedom in the history of humanity, I didn't think it would ever be challenged in my children's grandchildren's or in generations to come's lifetime. This republic was was created and and became the utopia that many people thought couldn't exist. Now, I I say that maybe with a little bit of hyperbole because there is no such thing as a perfect place. We're not perfect. And that's what a utopia would be. It would be a place where there are no flaws, no problems, where everyone is thrilled and happy all all of the time. That can't happen in a nation that has free will. Because people, when left to their own devices with freedom and liberty, some people are going to make bad choices and do bad things to other people. But that's what part of what makes this the most beautiful existence we have had in the history of humanity is because people have the freedom to make those choices. Then the rest of us need to hold people accountable for bad choices made with their liberty. And sometimes they have to forfeit their liberty in the process. That's what jails are for. And, that, and, and that's what law and order is, is needed to, def- uh, to defend and protect. But aside from the fact that there are flaws that come with liberty, true and, and unfettered free will, 
this is as close to utopia as it can get. That's why people, and I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it as long as it continues to be true. That's why people of all colors and ethnicities and faiths are risking their lives every year to come to this country because they see it as what it is, a land of opportunity like no other. And yet people who are already here, who have had the good fortune and benefit to be born here, think it's some sort of terrible place in which people are mistreated based upon their color or their ethnicity or some other aspect of their lives. If it's so bad, why are people dying to get here? And the answer to that question is obvious. The people who are dying to get here have experienced how bad things are in places that are not here. And they realize here is the best place to be. The people who are here, who have never traveled to some of the places that are not here, that do not have the freedom, the liberty, and the opportunity that the United States does, can sit here and throw stones and say, this place is terrible, this place is racist, this place is discriminatory, this place is bigoted, etc., etc. They have no clue, because they've never experienced what true um, oppression is all about, which is what you will find in so many of those countries where people are fleeing to come to the United States. Sorry for the long rant, but um, I feel like what what TJ and what others are talking about is, is important here. They come in for our Constitution, and if so, we've got a bigger problem than you realize, because that Constitution is what sets us apart from so many other places in the world. Uh, let me go to uh, Catherine, who is in Medina, I believe. Catherine, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Bob. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but on Jack Windsor, um, his fan club page, there was an actual video of the protest in Columbus. And there was nothing peaceful about it. Um, they were charging at officers on their bikes and wouldn't allow them to pass through a certain point. And they actually shouted, don't let them pass. And they they were aggressive. They went after them. And then they were in shock and disbelief that they were actually met with tear gas, with rubber bullets. I mean, it was out of control. I did not, to answer your question, Catherine, see that video. I will check on Jack's page. By the way, Jack will be on the program with me tomorrow morning at 9.35 to discuss a lot of this, um, what's going on in Columbus, as well as the actual uh, continued, um, uh, how shall we say, the uh, editing of the COVID-19 news that we get from the governor uh, almost every day. So he'll be on with me tomorrow. But to your point, and thank you for, for making me aware of this, I will watch that video and share it. And thank you for the call, Catherine. To your point about the violence against the police, this is only made possible by the weak, spineless, pathetic mayor of the city of Columbus. Mayor Ginther ordered officers to stand down, according to one of his dispatchers, in a 911 recorded phone call. And then secondly, ordered his officers not to use tear gas, pepper spray, or mace, or anything else that might be irritable to the eyes or to the the breathing of what he said are peaceful protesters. And as Catherine just pointed out, as video will show, it's not peaceful. 
And when they are blocking intersections and stopping commerce and emergency vehicles from getting through and so on and so forth, and police go in there to try to gently disperse this peaceful crowd, they are attacked by that quote-unquote peaceful crowd. Because the crowd knows that Ginther publicly said they can't use tear gas on us. They can't use pepper spray, pepper bombs to, to, to disperse us. So screw them. We can attack them. This is what happens when you have weak, pathetic, liberal, Democrat leadership. And as Jim Jordan said, it's in all liberal, Democrat, urban centers, large cities, all of the places where, and Donald Trump said this in his speech in Tulsa on Saturday. Look at the 20 most impoverished cities. Look at the 20 most high crime cities. Look at the 20 cities that are failing the most. And that includes, by the way, failing minorities, the minority community that makes up a large part of their populations. Look at who, which are the cities that are failing the most in terms of, of, of uh, economic growth, jobs, uh, uh, live, standards of living, and crime, and you will find the same thing. Generations of Democrat rule without interruption by Republican. That means literally decades of Democrat leadership. They won't elect Republican governors. They won't elect Republican mayors. They won't elect Republican city councils. All Democrat rule. Proof positive, and that's what Columbus is in right now. Proof positive that liberalism destroys everything it touches, including once great American cities. So, Catherine, thank you for letting me know about that video. I'll have to check out Jack's fan page, and uh, and we will definitely talk to Jack Windsor about that tomorrow. It's 1048. We'll take our time out here and come right back with a few more phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. I do want to get a couple more phone calls, but I also want to share this with you because I, I, I've been thinking about it ever since the caller brought up Columbus. Christopher Columbus is one of the statues and the changing of, uh, potentially the changing of the name of Columbus, Ohio. When this, when the city of Columbus takes down their own statue, right? Uh, it's probably only a matter of time before there is a referendum in the city of Columbus or at least among the city council, a vote to change the name. And I was, reminded of a response, a video that I had seen of somebody defending Christopher Columbus's legacy. And so I dug it up during this last commercial break. And it was Michael Knowles, uh, who I mentioned wrote a piece for the Daily Wire about this, talking to a college student, a cocky social justice warrior college student who was trying to, um, trying to drag Michael Knowles for supporting and defending the name of Christopher Columbus. Just give this a listen. I'm going to read two quotes and ask how you justify this as, quote, a hero and, quote, one of the greatest men in history, as you said to yourself. Where are your quotes from? The quotes are from his uh, journal. From so where? His journal, uh, I'm sorry. His journal. From the journal of Christopher Columbus. Yes. Okay. In his journal, he says, quote, let us in the name of the Holy Trinity go on sending all the slaves that can be sold. He also says, quote, the Indians are so naive. I will bring as much gold and slaves as you need. That actually was not in his journal. That was to the court in Madrid. I assume it wasn't in his journal because he would be writing to himself. Right. So you're saying Christopher Columbus uh, uh, agreed in a letter to his bosses who were funding his voyage that he would fulfill the terms of his voyage? That's what you're saying? 
This um, is some shock. There's, there's two parts to it. The first one was from his journal, where he quite literally said, let us in the name of the Holy Trinity go on sending all the slaves. The second one was to the court in Madrid, appeasing them, saying, yes, let's go get all these slaves. Well, you, you mentioned in the name of the Holy Trinity, uh, uh, Christopher Columbus baptized many natives. He did it personally. And he obviously was bringing the faith to the new world. You're at a Catholic university. If you believe that the faith is true and good and beautiful, as I do, as all Christians ought to do, then that's a wonderful thing to spread the gospel to people who have never heard it before. I think you misheard the quote. The, the last part of the I quote I don't think I misheard important. the quote, but you go can repeat on, it if you like. In the name of the Holy Trinity, what should yes. we do in that name? Go on sending all the slaves that can be sold. All the, so he sent slaves to the New World. That is true. That, or back to Spain. That is true. That was part of the deal. And if you listen to my lecture, I'm not sure. I, I heard your question, but I'm not sure you heard my lecture. He agreed to the uh, uh, encomienda system as a political concession because he was outfoxed by a local mayor named Roldan. This was uh, the cause of much of his consternation in the New World. It's the reason that uh, Bobadilla was able to take over and usurp control from him in the West Indies. This is a political reality. This is not a beautiful thing. It's a terrible thing. Slavery is an awful thing. None of us disagrees with that. But for us now, as people who have benefited, all people of the whole world who have benefited from the greatest country, the most profitable, the most charitable, the most equitable, the most just, the one that allows you to stand there and ask me that question, for us to spit on that man who made all of it possible because he made some moral concessions in order to take the most ambitious voyage at that time in the history of man is so bizarrely ungrateful. It is so ignorant of historical and political realities as to be naive and sophomoric. Um, well, I, my question was, how can you justify calling him a hero? I agree I've just justified it. That's my explanation. That was, that I was think that you're standing on the shoulders of giants and you think that you're flying, but you're not. We are dwarfs standing on the shoulders of that great man, and we spit down on him in our ingratitude. How pathetic. That was Michael Knowles' response. That was at Notre Dame, by the way, in South Bend, a Catholic university that he referenced. And that's the point. Judging people of those generations, and we're talking about the 15th century, right? By 2020 standards, judging people in that time for slavery by 2020's knowledge and evolutionary understanding of how horrific the institution of slavery is, not just in America or in North America, but around the globe. Because through the history of history, I mean, how were the pyramids built by slaves? Slavery was, at, you know, at various points in human history, an acceptable practice. There were some people who actually volunteered to become slaves because it allowed them to uh, uh, work off debts that they could not pay off. So they voluntarily went into servitude in order to get themselves back on, uh, you know, uh, on level footing so that they could then buy their own, you know, f- uh, freedom. I know it sounds a little bizarre, but if you go back to the Roman Empire, you will find out that the Romans had a lot of slaves who were there voluntarily. My point is, judging by 2020 standards, moral concessions, as Michael Knowles called them, of some people for the betterment of all of humanity in the big picture is just wrong. 2020 standards were not the standards in the 15th century. They certainly were not in the 7th century when the uh, when the um, Ottoman Empire took all of the slaves that they did. I mean, it's just a different reality. And to judge the history now based on 2020 standards is just insane. And if they're going to rename the city, the capital city of our state, Columbus, Ohio, or that, 
Somebody's got some real comprehension problems. All right, I apologize. I didn't get a chance to take any more calls, and I didn't get a get, get a chance for you to hear the new Gingrich interview. But we're back tomorrow with Peter Kersenow and more. So make sure you are with us then. Stay here. Mike Gallagher's coming up on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Silence.